This is the Educational Triage Podcast. Welcome. We invite you to come along with us on an exploration of interviews, issues, and other exciting and relevant topics in education, especially alternative education. They say alternative education is a laboratory for mainstream education. Why? Well, join us every week and listen in as Philip Summers and I, Tony Hunt, jump in feet first to discuss issues that may affect our classes, students, communities, as well as our teaching. Please subscribe if you enjoy and find relevance in what you experience here. And if you haven't left a quick review, please do. We appreciate your candor and insights so we can improve as we move forward. Now, let's see what's on board today. Welcome back to Educational Triage, people. I'm Tony, and I am, of course, joined with the fabulous Philip. Aloha. And if you were with us last week, then you know that we covered quite a bit of material, did we not? We, we talked about. Indeed. We began this series on teacher training and alternative education. We talked about understanding alternative education with the pedagogies and the philosophies. We talked about the differences between mainstream education and alternative education. It was a beefy one. And then we talked. (laughs) (laughs) And then we also talked about the benefits and potential impact of alternative education on the students and even some challenges like, for instance, what happens if they go from alternative ed into a mainstream classroom. Mm. So, uh, because everything tends to be more student-centered and everything is about the student in alternative ed. So if you feel like you missed something or you want to get something better, go ahead, check the YouTube channel and be sure to check out those videos. They might be more helpful to you because there are a few little, uh, it's not just us going back and forth talking on these, it, it I'm putting in some visuals for you to see, so you might be able to st- just stop the video and take some notes if you want to, if that's if if that's something that you would like to do. In the meantime, go ahead, hit that subscribe button, and share us and like us, and uh, just pay attention because today we're going to talk about the gaps and challenges in providing comprehensive training. For teachers in alternative education. That is okay. one heady topic. And we are kidding about the test. There is no test, but it is a heady topic. <laughs> well, this whole thing is. I mean, because yeah. to be honest, Philip, when I would be taking courses, they really wanted my input on a whole lot because I was the only alternative teacher that was there. And so they really wanted to know the other perspective. And I was actually offered a position at the university, and I ended up having to put it all to the side because of family issues. But they were really excited, and so I stayed in touch. And, And we do talk about alternative education, but they don't have anybody with that kind of perspective. 
funny you should mention that because um, I was thinking about in my education, I never came across any specific <coughs> courses that prepared me to develop curriculum the alternative way. It was there are uh, none. Yeah, it, it was mostly focused lesson plans, overall outlines. It generally speaking, what I used to do um, is. I was proud of this. I would go out in the world and find cool stuff and then bring it back to the classroom because I'm always learning. And uh, because I taught alternative ed, I could do that. It was wonderful. I could, you know, I could teach like oh, mountaineering, for example. You know, I did that, that big unit on Everest. You know, I, I brought all kinds of things together in that way. In that way. And it was just, it, it's just so innovative to take the world and bring it into the classroom. And I don't know if a lot of teachers know how to do that. I think there's, I think there are more than you, than you realize. However, oh, yeah, that it's not an alternative classroom. Exactly. They, they have that. alternative, they have, they use alternative methods without realizing it. And mm -hmm. they're known as very effective teachers. <laughs> That's true. They call them very effective teachers. Um, and they, there's a lot of passion from the out, an outside interests or coaching and clubs and uh, things like that. So, but outside of the curriculum, it, yeah, I think you're right. It, it doesn't lend itself to that innovative sort of look that we had going. Right. You mentioned coaching and clubs only in the, well, there's a, you have to be very careful because you mm -hmm. are a coach in many ways but you're not a coach because a coach yes. is the expert who's going to drill you and tell you what to do. So you there have the hierarchy of, uh, yeah, yeah. of the I dominant figure. Of, there's also um, schools that have the coach who's sort of the, um, the, the stable English or history type teacher, and then they'll coach like a sport and it's, they mentor as well as coach. And they're very passionate. I know a lot of teachers like this, for instance, softball uh, coaches, two of them, they're married actually, and it's their passion. And they're both mentor teachers. They're kind of like institutions mm -hmm. in the high school. So it's an extension of their classroom almost if you play for them um, because they teach a whole lot more into softball. But softball is their true passion. And they have total control over that too, which gives them that really an alternative approach. They can do anything they want. Right. I think what you're touching on is the fact that they are able to be inclusive of everybody. It's not, yeah. it, it, and everybody feels as though they've been accepted and everybody it's, feels taken care of. It's a small environment, just like alternatives. Yeah. It, however, however, it's very different in that it's not student led. The students don't work at their own no. pace necessarily on a team. It, it, no, you're right there. It's it's as close as they'll come. Right. Working in a, a regular high school, but they do get that outlet for their passion sometimes. Yeah. Right. So, okay. So let's go into training for teachers in alternative yeah. education, because for a good number of people and maybe those of you listening who have thought about going into alternative ed don't let this deter you 
because there is no training. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was... there is, it's extremely limited. There is, there may be some form forms of mentoring. Yeah. But as far as something where you're actually going to learn and be a part of a team in working in alternative education, sometimes you're just thrown to the sharks and you scramble. And at least that's how I learned, but I already had a lot of the techniques. So it made it easy, but it was still very difficult. I suspect having gone through the same journey as you, it, I had to innovate and kind of acclimate and figure out what was going on, but I was good at it. Somehow I was sort of good at the alternative approach without knowing it. Mm-hmm. I, I think we were also chosen by the administrator who saw in us something that uh, was a success with Alt-Ed. Um, well, at, in regard to like, there are certain teachers I knew that got hired in Alt-Ed were not Alt-Ed teachers. And right. had a very difficult time with it. But I came from Alt-Ed when I applied for that job. Yeah. And, and I had so just... So that yeah. I was working, I had been working with gang and drug and alcohol affected youth. It's an in alternative. Yeah. It, before, before you and I were in the yeah. same hub, so to speak. You know, um, that's interesting you should say that because I, maybe that's... Because I had that background with kids too. And I didn't, I wasn't ever trained all Ted. And when I got hired for my job, I was right out of college, but <clears throat> excuse me, I worked with kids that were kind of hardcore. I had a good relationship with kids the whole time I was doing the and mentoring the, and working with kids and tutoring. Yeah. And if you can do that, then you are, you have 75% of the work done. That's what I was. You were kind of saying, and I was kind of getting from it. Is you were trained a little bit more in Alted, you know, just professionally. I was mentored. We came from that same background of dealing right. with kids one on one. Yeah, you're right. That's. I think that's the biggest quality. Right. I had a mentorship when I went into an actual alternative ed program. Um, uh, really? But there, it's hard for teachers to access any kind of comprehensive training program because they're just not there. Now, there are rumblings that and people wanting to move forward with something. And so the best way for you to maybe look at or figure something out would be to find out, first of all, whether or not there is a state alternative ed association where you are or one that's nearby you can also go to the dash not underscore dash naea.org and you can look up the regions and you will find um a regional rep that will have your state and you can always reach out to them and ask them what is available and who your contact in your area might be. And they should be able to give you something like that. You can also reach out to the department of education in your state and they should be able to have some sort of a list or something, or be able to give you some 
some indication as to what other people are there so that you can reach out to them and quite possibly form a partnership to do it. And I know that that sounds grueling and I know it sounds really, really awful, but for many of us, that's what's had to, that it's, it's what's needed to happen. And uh, I was fortunate enough for my first Boston Alternative Ed to look at me and and push me into being a member of the state organization and putting me onto the board. And I was on there for several years. So that is where you're going to make most of the connections. You're going to be able to find things that you want to find out. You're going to learn more. You're going to be able to explore more. And it gives you far more opportunity. You're not going to find it at the university or at the college level. And most likely not at an education service district in a regional or in a district. Right. Because they will say, well, you just need to go in and do the regular professional uh, development with everybody else. And to be honest, you need you need far more specific training, but we'll get down to professional development. So recognition and accreditation. A lot of... Because alternative ed is so diverse and it reaches so many different levels and there's so many philosophies and pedagogies and there's so many forms of alternative ed going from vocational schools going from teaching in uh, lockup facilities, residential facilities. Um, you have the teen parenting program that might be a bigger program than you think. That might be a magnet school. You might have, there, there are just so many different mm. offerings that are there. And many things that are called alternative ed that maybe don't really fit the bill for what it is that you might find yourself doing. So because of that, they don't know how to go for the accreditation and they don't look kindly upon alternative ed because they think of it as being something that's willy nilly and haphazardly put together just to take <laughs> care of those kids. The bad kids. Oh, gosh. Um, I worked with somebody who had an incredible reputation in the district, um, being a wonderful teacher, and they could not, they couldn't do anything. And so I did all the curriculum development. They came in and they still couldn't figure it out um, because they refused to partner with me to help design anything. And then they tried to do it. I was gone. Oh, I think they had taken over summer school and I came in and they were doing one of the projects that I had designed and they had no idea what they were doing. And I said, so did you go for the standards? Did you look at all of those? And they were like, no, what are they? And I thought, holy cow, how do you do any kind of curriculum without knowing what standards you're going after? It's not that difficult, really. It's very yeah. simple because I always boil things down to the bare bones and yeah. I know exactly what it is that I'm going for. Mm -hmm. So, or I can just pull it off the top of my head and I can BS my way through. 
And they had absolutely, they had no idea. And so what happened was they went from trying to do alternative ed right back into being sage on the stage and they refused to deviate from that. So that is, if you need to be able to fail, let's just put it that way. You have to be comfortable with failing in order to move forward. Well, I know what failing is. I mean, you may feel like it's an uncomfortable failure, but you never know. I Mm -hmm. mean, it may not have been that bad. Don't be discouraged. There's a flow that comes with it. And sometimes you're not in the flow, but your students are, strangely enough. (laughs) Right. It happens. So, yeah, be easy on yourself and keep on trying. You get better at it. Yeah. And to be quite honest, there are maybe one or two colleges or universities that teach alternative education, but they're very small schools. And Mm -hmm. Lord knows if you're going to be able to find them. There is a program through the NAEA that they highlight, but that is more for uh, administrators and people who want to go into an administrative level. It's not anything to do with working with kids, teaching strategies. How do you move through? We used to have... um, a program in our metro area called the Regional Alternative Schools Consortium, RASC. And I I was fortunate enough to be asked to be on the board for that. And it was many, many years ago. And it brought people together from all different programs all over the metro area, from Vancouver, Washington, from Gresham, from all over the Portland area and vicinity. And so we had the people who were doing vocational village working with the people who were working with the school that dealt with pregnant and parenting teens who were working. It just, we had the whole flow and they were constantly looking for something so that there could be networking and there could be opportunities for people to learn more and to train and to provide their students with even more opportunities. But that wasn't always seen as a positive thing by my administrator, who told me that I was missing too many days of school going out and doing this and participating, even though it was only about three times a year. However, the benefits of going were extraordinary. Hmm. They were tremendous. They really were. And we did that for a while. And I I taught workshops there. Um, and even if you take a workshop, you still get clock hours and you look for the workshops that you possibly can. Um, but your district isn't always going, or your boss or whoever, they are not always going to recognize what you're doing or the training that you get as being viable. Because the big question is how invested are they in alternative ed and how know-it-all are they? about alternative ed because i've worked with a lot of them who said oh i understand alternative ed i know what it is and they (laughs) haven't clue they they they, just don't know at all they are complete they lack any kind of clarity on it so and that's where it goes terribly sideways too (laughs) exactly and there's and there's a lack of standardization yeah, so, you can't you can't agree upon the uh, field upon which you're standing. <laughs> you well, anything, really, yeah. 
if someone doesn't understand the whole premise of adult ed, and I've had a lot of administrators kind of say that they did, but they didn't understand it at all. So. Well, say, okay, I'm going to look at you, Philip. You're one of my students, and I'm going to say, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Do you understand what I'm saying? And you say, yeah, I get it. I get it. One, because you don't want to look stupid. You don't want to look ignorant. That's true. And it's just something so that you don't have to go any further with it. Because they don't want to get into what they don't know. Because a lot of administrators suffer from that if they don't know something, they are too afraid to admit it. Which is not the good sign, a sign of a good leader. But yeah. No, but. not at all. So, but because there are so many different, as I was saying with the Regional Alternative Schools Consortium, we had so many different kinds of programs. Philip, where you taught, you had one basic program. You had the pregnant and parenting teen. You had high school completion. You had the GED prep. There was a middle school program. There was, I can't yeah. remember all the other numbers of programs that there were available in that one building because they were still growing, correct? At various times, we had, like we had an evening school program that went from uh, right. 3.30 to 7.30. Right. Um, you know, so that went away, but it was in place for five years, I believe. Yeah. And so there were so many different programs None of them were the same thing. Oh, and the what you have to look at is different people may have different pedagogies, may have different philosophies as far as how they're addressing whatever it is that they're doing in the classroom. And so where we all believe in student-centeredness, we all believe in the holistics of it, and we all believe in the teacher as a mentor or a facilitator and not the sage on the stage. However, there are still other approaches that some people may want to go with that other people may not understand. And so when people don't understand things, they tend to lash out <laughs> because they don't have the training for it and, and they feel as though they've been left behind or it's, it's, it's a question of ego. And we know what we, it, we're going to keep repeating this because it's the Joe McQueen adage, I think, that we need to get into our mind. The first rule of alternative ed is leave your ego at the door. And that even goes with your peers. Yes, it does. It even goes with Be your peers. Because it's not cool to smite them. So, <laughs> so look around for professional development and anything that you can do or figure out how you can take, maybe you're taking a, a course at the university for clock hours or for accreditation and to, for relicensing. How is that class going to feed into your class? How can you tweak things to be doing student-centered mathematics or English classes, how do you get yeah. those going? And so, okay, let's look at integration with mainstream education system. Because if you're an alternative ed, you're kept at arm's length. They don't see you as part of them. They don't. And so if you 
bounce between mainstream and alternative ed. God knows why they would do that to somebody. <laughs> um, keep the same practices for both. You can figure it out. Um, and you'll be an effective teacher if you do. One of the people I, I, I was working with and I was training um, with all with credit recovery and high school completion was a fantastic teacher. And so he and I worked very closely together and we created sort of a system that he could use. And so I had to explain to him because he was a young teacher how to use the uh, the standards. What are the standards that are required for each one of these classes? And then not only that, because it's credit recovery for a lot of the kids. So credit recovery, you don't need as much as you do for a full class. Unless the kid hadn't shown up. Just never showed up at all. Right. I mean, maybe first so, three days, that's it. <laughs> So the idea is, with credit recovery, the kid may already know what they know. So there should be a pretest for them to show what they do know. And then you go through that, and then you give them the little piece that they're missing. But if they can't figure out the other part, then you work with them on that, and you try to blast them through quickly. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that the district was demanding that there was no editing down of any of the hours for the students. So for one class, they wanted 79 hours for a half a credit, and the student needed to do all 79 hours worth of work and pass it in order to get the half a credit. And they, they fought me. And I fought them. And I said, look, this is not taught here. This is not taught here. This is, and they said, we don't care. So their idea was, screw the kid. Yeah. They're going to do what we tell them to do. Clearly. So we fixed it. The kid. So we fixed it because they, they really don't care. They just want to have their rubber stamp on top of something. Mainstream doesn't understand alternative ed. So keep that in mind. And I think one of the biggest reasons why we even do this podcast is because so many people say, what is alternative ed anyway? So, and hopefully throughout the the catalog of shows that we've got, we're getting better at explaining that. Or you're picking out the greatest points. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Point number one. Relationships. It's always about relationships. And you know, the last example you gave too is a relation is an example of a relationship uh, from the top down. The system says this student must do that. Uh, not the student needs this. We should supply this. How we do we should- get to? How do we get the student to to make it to this point? Exactly. It's the same standards. I was steadfast on that. My kids were every bit as good a writer or a reader as any kid that came out of the high school, standards-wise. Like, otherwise, I wouldn't graduate them. So, yeah. Right. So, and there are times, and we're going to talk about this later in another podcast coming up, because this is a series right now, mind you. The isolation. 
there can be some incredible isolation where you don't feel as though you're part of a team, you're not part of anything. And yeah. people just kind of leave you alone. There was somebody who used to call me a nart. Not a real teacher. Oh. And I just sort of laughed it off and I thought, you know, you just don't know what you're talking about. That exactly. You don't know what you're talking. About. You have no clue what it is. And then they were involved in the credit recovery program. And they were going absolutely crazy. I swear I had to do more work teaching that person than the kids how do. to work with because the guy was great with kids. It's just that he didn't know how to teach kids the stuff and work with them one on one and be able to be have. OK, if you're working with kids and we've talked about this, you have to be able to have ping pong brain. Yes. That's something that we don't even, I don't even have that in my notes. You must have ping pong brain. That means one kid is working on, let's say one kid is working on something in English and you look at them and say, okay, well, and you work with them. You don't give them the answers, but you work with them so that they understand it. Then somebody else says, I'm not understanding this thing about cells. Well, what about cells aren't you understanding? So now you're doing science. And somebody else says, I'm lost on this math problem. And then you look and all of a sudden you're switched over to math. Now, it can be a little disconcerting at first, but eventually it becomes second nature. You just you have all this information at the front of your brain. And if you don't know, you simply say, huh, show me what you do understand. And let's get to the part where you are. And possibly that'll trigger something for you so mm -hmm. that you can help them with the one little piece that they need in order to get to where they're going. A misconception about teachers is that they're a wealth of information and that they know everything. We do. And that may be true once upon a time when, you know, we didn't have like lots of books and computers, but uh -huh. a good teacher knows how to help someone understand something. I, I feel like if I can't, in, if I can't get to something four different ways, then I can't teach it well. So. Sometimes I ask the kids just to explain stuff to me. Because I'll say, yeah. I don't get what's going on, what's happening. Right. And like, they try they to explain it. Yeah. And, and sometimes they don't get it. And sometimes I can be explaining something yeah. to a kid and they just can't hear me. And so I yeah. ask another student, I say, can you speak student to this guy? And they'll turn around, they'll say exactly what I said. And the kid says, oh, is that what he was saying? Yeah. See, there's, like, there's some sort of, uh, yeah, assumption that teachers do this wealth of like, like information, like completely unmistakable. It's like true as true gets information. It's like, no, I just help you understand. And I, I do the same thing I'm helping you do. <laughs> it's, you know, if you ask about a cell, I'm not going to say, what about the cell? Don't you know, I'm going to say, well, are you talking about the energy system, perhaps? Are we talking about the nucleus from where the nucleus is? You know, you're trying to frame it so they're going, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. organize, organize. It, it, it's a skill, and some people don't have it. I'm grateful I got it. I don't have right. other skills, but I got that one. Yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's really fun to work with kids that way.
Now, moving on, let's take a look at financial constraints. Because in order to get any kind of training, let's say that you hear about a form of training, you may, you're going to have to travel to get there. You may have overnight costs. You're going to have travel costs. I don't know if it's mileage or if it's a plane flight or a train or um, whether or not you're going to ride your um, scooter. I don't know. But you also have time commitments for that. And so if you don't have enough money in order to get there to do it, and, you know, I've talked a lot about how education is becoming corporate. There was a conference that I really wanted to go to this summer. And I thought it sounded great. But then when I saw that just to get in the door, the registration fee was around $8.75. And I would have to fly clear across the country. And I would have to be paying upwards of $200 a night. And I thought, holy cow, that's a lot of cash. And then they said, or you could do it virtually. And I thought, okay, well, you know, virtual, there should be kind of a discount. Well, the discount was no flight, no hotel and meals. (laughs) You still have to pay the same price. You still have to pay the same registration fee in order (laughs) to get into into the virtual. Such a deal. So... But, you know, there are some virtual things. Um, I want to say the Q10 conference, if you can look that one up, that one is an awesome, awesome conference. There's a lot to learn. Uh, There's RAFSA, the Reaching at Promise Students. What is it? RAPSA, Reaching at Promise Students Association. Yeah, that's another good one. Um, There is the NEAE. Uh, conference, and it's either going to be in Tampa or else it's going to be in St. Louis. It's a fantastic conference. You won't believe the people that you'll meet, the the connections that you can make. It is it's it's absolutely mind blowing, um, and it's just great. Um, but that then you There's have the travel, too. the hotel, and everything else, and the registration. There's a call. It's a um, lowercase i, capital N-A-C-O-L, um, the National International. International Association for K-12 through Online Learning. There it is, online learning. Okay. I guess it's online yeah. learning. Okay. I thought it was alternative. Yeah. So what I'll do is I will put down, I'll try to gather a list and put a list of different places of different um, organizations that you might be able to contact in order to get that. So, and if it's not there when you first look, I will be updating as soon as I can. Evaluation and assessment. Think about this. You have your, you have whoever is your administrator. Maybe they know what you're doing. Maybe they don't know what you're doing. Maybe they don't know what they're doing. (laughs) And so, because... You're working on non-traditional forms of assessment. You're doing holistic evaluation. You're not doing standardized tests. You know that you're working towards the standards, but you're teaching kids how to get there Mm -hmm. in a completely different method, something that's more effective for them. 
correct? That is correct. So evaluating effectiveness of any training program and competencies of teachers is challenging because of how they do it. So the best way to assess a teacher or a program is to do an overall assessment as to the efficacy of what's happening. Are the kids learning? What do the kids know? One thing that I did that helped us a great deal, and it was a marketing strategy. <laughs> we did, we had open houses three times a year. We had one in the fall, we had one around spring break, and then we had one in the, in the just before summer break. And the idea was for the students to be able to have work that they could demonstrate and that they could figure out because they ran it. And we invited board members, we invited uh, district administrators, we invited professors. We pardon the superintendent, I recall. Oh yeah, we yeah. yeah, district administrators. We we had we asked all kinds of people, people from the university, we the families of the students, and they would come in and the kids would take them around and the kids they would teach people things and they were really excited about them. And uh, th there were a couple that were, might've been seen as a little controversial, but they were um, kind of fun. But it was the, the look of joy on the kids' faces when they were doing it because they were showing off what they could do. And so talk about non-traditional assessment. And then by the time that we got around to, having to take the state test because we weren't we weren't immune from that the kids blew through them they did incredibly well and the kids got to work at their own pace they got to do what it was that they needed to do sure there was some discipline where i would say okay we need to have everything here wrapped up by this time and if you're not done you can still hand it in but you're going to have a little bit more work to do because we need to be taking care of these things. And so, you know, we worked around it. And the little shufflers, sometimes they picked up the pace. Sometimes they just kind of laid back like they were on a beach. But, you know, <laughs> you, you have your kids and you know them and you kind of work with them and you get them to where they need to be. So do you have anything else on evaluation and assessment? Nope. nope. Okay. Okay. Here we come to inclusion and diversity. Now, alternative ed is becoming far more diverse than it used to be, at least where I last worked. My program before that was incredibly diverse. Um, I was working, my last position was in the Burbs, and we watched it become primarily white students and all of a sudden whites were in the minority and we had more Islanders. We had more, more Brown students. We had yeah. more, we had more black students coming through the doors and it was, it was amazing. 
because they taught us so much. And we allowed them to vocalize what it was that they felt that they needed. And we would try to meet those needs as best as we could. We worked with them as well as we could. And even though I can't change my ethnicity, my coworkers couldn't change their ethnicity, they always knew that it was a safe space for them. Right. And so it didn't matter if they were gay, bi, straight, trans, whatever. If they were of color, if they were disabled, they knew that they could succeed. And that's what they were looking for. How do I find success? Because once they have that first little taste of success, because that's the lure, and then you have the hook in them, and then you can keep going. But you don't jerk that. You just keep feeding them more Mm -hmm. success. Yeah, it was a place you could be yourself. I remember that. So, yeah. So this sounds like a lot, and it actually is. But if you are transferring from one program to another, there's a lot to take into account. If you're going from an alternative program into a mainstream, it's going to feel like a completely different world. It really is. And vice versa. It's strange. And so you can be a fish out of water. They're two completely different kinds of pond. And I think that's the only way to call them. And one is how do you survive in this pond? And how do you traverse the ground in order to be able to survive and swim in that pond? Some people thrive in one pond. Some people thrive in the other. Yep. So that being said, let's take a look next week at challenges and the barriers that teachers face when they do transition to alternative education settings. Sounds intriguing. I can't wait. Well, until then, make sure that you subscribe, that you like, give us a review, give us a holler, give us a share, and we will see you again next week. Bye-bye.